Hey, Enneagram friends, I'm Abby, an IA accredited Enneagram coach and certified somatic experiencing practitioner. In today's episode, I'm joined in the coaching space by an Enneagram 6 that wants to explore the worst case scenario aspect of our personality. In our conversation, we take a look at what's happening under the surface in our our nervous system during that six's hypervigilance and how we can better cope so that we don't get derailed when concerns arise. This Enneagram 6 is someone that's attended previous workshops with me. And so again, it was a gift to get to connect with her in the coaching space for this session. I hope you'll listen in with curiosity and see what resonates in your experience. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. Well, it's so good to be back in the coaching space with you again. Um, and I'm curious as we come into our time together, what feels most helpful for us to explore and, and to spend our time on? Yeah, I think one of the things that I've realized over the past year, especially, is my uh, tendency to do some worst case scenario forecasting. And I think it was in the classes with you that I realized that was actually a type thing. And it wasn't just what some people refer to as, oh, you're just being crazy. You're overthinking things. Um, it's actually part of my type. And I would love to know how to get myself out of the downward spiral that can happen with those. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you asking that question and also uh, illuminating to both the sixes listening, but anyone else that um, you're not crazy. It is it's, it's specifically a part of the type structure. And and also not that other types don't um, don't have worst case scenario planning too, to some extent. Right. They might be planners. They might be people that are kind of thinking about the cause and effect. Um, but it is a big piece of the type six structure. And also when it's in balance, it's actually a gift, right? Being hypervigilant. Um, some other types really need some hypervigilance, right? They need some, some sense of there is an, a, a cause and effect. And if I don't do X, Y, and Z, here will be the impact and the consequence. Um, but like many aspects that are a gifts of our types, um, it can get out of balance and it can become on overdrive and it can be excessive. And, and that's when it starts to um, cost us a lot of energy and also um, can keep us up at night and, and cause us to delay making decisions or, um, you know, do things that we wouldn't normally do otherwise. But we're trying to manage that that worst case scenario. So. Um, one of the things that I think is is helpful uh, to keep in mind with the worst case scenario forecasting is that part of what's happening in that dynamic of you know noticing a concern, noticing a pitfall, having a worry, and then responding to that either by thinking about it a lot, thinking about all sides of it, creating a plan of how to get through that or pass it or avoid it, um, all of that Uh, there's an underlying uh, fear response that's happening. You know, we might use a different word like worry or concern or nervous or anxious, right? Sometimes fear just feels like too big of a word. Like, I'm not afraid. I just want to make sure we have food on our trip, right? Like, there's not fear, right? But concern, all of these other adjectives that we use, um, they're, they're just synonyms for various facets of fear. And so, like any other emotion that we have, um, 
we try to fix the fear, fix the concern, fix the worry by doing something about it, by thinking our way out of it, by problem solving, by creating a plan. Um, and we can't fix emotions. So there's, uh, in that process, if we can start with, you know, what's going on in my, uh, experience. What am I concerned about? What am I worried about? And giving ourselves some space to experience and process that concern. So how does that land for you as I I kind of share that back? Oh, definitely. Because I think I can think specifically to, I I was originally thinking parenting, but then my parenting example was actually my childhood example too. So Mm -hmm. I put really high expectations on myself with school even though my parents didn't, I mean, they, they knew like, okay, you're doing good. You're getting C's, B's and A's. But in my mind, I needed A's. And that mm-hmm. was the only exception. Nobody ever told me you have to get A's. Yeah. Um, and so I realized we live in this town where it's really strange the way the school system works. And we were able to get our daughter into a public charter school. And I think over half the schools in our town work on lotteries. Mm. And, and so for us, we were really lucky, but now we have this high school thing and this is so crazy, but she has to apply to get into this public high school. And so I realized that over the years, my fears, my worries, and I will really spiral with this with my husband and he does a great job of just listening and then talking me down. But um, I realized over the years she has heard those conversations. But then if it's, let's say she gets a D on the test, I'm like, oh, we do need to be cautious of this. Like, let's make sure that you get an extra tutor session in there. So I'll do the things for her, but I'm realizing that I am putting that expectation on her and I don't mean to, Mm -hmm. because it's not her fault that we live in a strange system (laughs) with school. So, so yeah, so I think there's my big thing is I don't want to project my fears onto her and have her worry, but I've also caught her saying like, oh, I need to do this. I need to get this grade. I have this expectation for myself. And I'm like, oh no, she's turning into me. (laughs) For sure. But, and the reality is both the good parts of, of this will transfer to her, right? Of we pay attention to things, we pay our bills, we're responsible adults, right? Some of these things that you've instilled in her when she goes into adulthood, when she leaves your house, but also having some awareness of, oh, you are repeating a concern. This isn't something that's intrinsic in you. It could have been, right? She could have been just like you Mm -hmm. as a kiddo and, and had really high standards that were different than her parents. But in this situation, as you're kind of observing it, um, she's mirroring back a concern. And because this is a concern, it's almost like she's mirroring back some of the the nervousness or the fear, or the worry, um, some of these spaces. And, and so that's a really good awareness around it of like, how do we talk about these things, right? You know, we talk about it of, yeah, we're do our best. And sometimes, you know, we get a D and then that just happens, right? Um, because for you in that process, having these conversations where you know that it will be okay, right? It's the sense of um, giving yourself some space to actually process and experience the concern around it before it comes up in the parenting moment or in the conversation with your spouse um, so that it is not just a 
fear or concern kind of just being verbally processed onto, especially for your daughter, right? Your spouse can, that can be part of, of that mutually beneficial relationship, but um, but especially with your daughter. I'm curious, even in this moment, as you, you know, kind of explain the, the, the crazy logic of the school system and, and having to do the lottery and, and our grades and all these pieces mattering, um, even just taking a moment to check in with your system now of like, can you feel some of that, that hum and that concern as you talk about it? Oh yeah. Like it's right in the center of my chest mm-hmm. and it's a tightness that happens every time we think about it, every time the progress reports come in or, oh, it's time to start looking at the high schools and which ones you're going to lottery into. And um, yeah, I just can't wait to get past the next year because (laughs) it's just, we've basically been holding our breath for years. And I think that's, it's it's unfortunate for sure. But yes, it, I, I feel it. Um, very much so in my chest. Yeah. So even just in this moment and also in future moments, but, but in this moment, even just taking a moment to pause, to sense into that, you know, you named the language of like, yeah, it's like this heaviness, this tightness, and you can feel it right in, on that, um, in that chest space. But even just taking a moment to breathe deeply and just imagining that air going into your chest, you know, maybe even going through that space down into your belly. Obviously, your diaphragm's not all the way to your belly, but but just imagining that that breath going down and just giving it some space to be there. You know, not trying to fix the nervousness, not trying to get rid of it, but just acknowledging, yeah, like there's a lot going on and this is a lot of things to keep in mind and I want the best for her and these things do matter. And so in that though, there's some concern, there's some worry, some nervousness. And so just giving yourself a moment to breathe, you know, even sometimes we, um, put our hands on that space almost to give it like some, some pressure, like a weighted blanket or like a hug, um, and just allowing it to be. So even just in this moment, as you take a breath and and give it some space, I'm curious if anything um, shifts or adjusts or changes for you or just arises in that moment as you give it some space and breathe. Yeah, it's interesting because I'm usually one that goes to meditation for anything. But when I'm caught in those moments, I never stop to do, you know, like four cycles of breathing or anything like that. But just doing that, then I was like, oh, it did kind of, it opened up and it did not feel as tight. Mm-hmm. Um, just taking those, yeah, those deep breaths in. It's such a good reminder of breath work and how effective it can be. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, in those moments, there's there's nothing wrong with you that this is happening, right? There's nothing wrong that there's a, a vigilance. There's nothing wrong that the response to noticing a concern is to feel worried or anxious or fear, fearful, whatever language you give to it. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a very normal response, but we also don't want that normal response to derail us. You know, it's it's this hyper vigilance that's part of our our human DNA, so that we can outrun the predator when it comes after us, right? But the reality is, there's not a lion chasing you. In this moment, it's a decision that has to be made, or it's an awareness of you know how we get to this space of applying for this, right? And so if we can um, 
part of bringing those things into perspective is not rationalizing it with our mind, but it's instead giving ourselves some space to actually experience and metabolize the emotion. Otherwise, that emotion will just keep causing you to run, right? It'll just be this, mm. okay, we have to fix this and we have to do this. And and that kind of like buzzing, jittery feeling that can even come in the moments um, of, you know, the language you use of spiraling, right? Sometimes it's like this, oh gosh, we've got to do this and what happens and if this goes on and what are we going to do, right? And if we can just give ourselves a moment to kind of breathe and calm our nervous system back down into this, you know, this, um, they call it like this ventral space, right? Out of the sympathetic into this ventral space, then we can, um, honor ourselves of like, yeah, this is a normal human emotion. There's nothing wrong with us for thinking that or feeling that. And also we can move through this, um, in a way that our, that's flooded emotion is not making the decisions. It's not calling the shots. It's not at the forefront um, of how we move through and, and process this. So how does that land with you as I kind of share that back? It's, I, one thing that I've noticed is it will cause for me like decision fatigue because I've created all these options in my head. So the chance to stop, breathe through and realize it's just, you know, experiencing it in that moment doesn't mean that those are added options because in reality a lot of the things I'm creating aren't options at all (laughs) so that's really helpful in um, thinking through the options I give myself when I'm making decisions yeah yeah for sure because you know often what's happening for sixes is that um, there's this disconnect between their internal knowing you know it becomes almost this distrust of your internal, like, oh, I know what to do, or I know how this should go, or I know who I am, and I know how I want to move through this. I know what I value. I know who I want to be, what I want our family to be. But there becomes this distrust of that, of, well, how could I ever be that confident? Or how could I ever know that? Or how could I ever say this with such decisiveness? And then it it starts this self-doubt and the second guessing. And sometimes that shows up in having so many decisions that you, you know, options you can't possibly choose something. Um, but also if you can, uh, calm down some of the, um, the worry by sensing into and experiencing the emotion. So it's not so flooding, then some of those things will start to dissipate. It'll start to be able to be put into more perspective because it doesn't feel like you're running and having to make a quick decision. It's, there's more calm there and there's more clarity because most of the time you do know what you want to do or what needs to be done or, or have a good sense of the direction. Um, and so metabolizing that emotion gives you some more clarity to actually make the decision, um, that's on your, that's on your plate in front of you. Yeah. I think I've, even without the worst case scenario forecasting, I have always struggled with making decisions. And I always feel like I need to go and run my thoughts through at least two different people. And I, <laughs> I feel bad for those people um, because they're constantly getting the call from me or one of my husband is one of them. So like, it's just me going through the, and I'm sure he's sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, you've already made the decision in your mind, but <laughs> you're still asking me all these opinions. So, yeah. Well, and, and part of that also, you know, 
we can we can have these moments where we realize we're doing that, but it's also not all bad, right? There are some types that need to slow down and actually ask other people what they think, right? There's there's some types that this is a real struggle for them. And so for you, it's not. There, you know how to do this, that piece of, of we collaborate or we ask for input that's more common sense for you but it can get into excess like all the other gifts for us. And so having some awareness around, you know, do I want your input? Do I want to know what you think about this car I'm about to buy or this decision I'm about to make? Or is it actually that part of me connecting with and reaching out to you is that I need some support? You know, I need some grounding. I need some sense that I'm not going to, you know, fly away in the storm that's about to hit us, that I'm actually tethered down with the support around me. And if it is that, if it is, you know, you know what you think, you know what you want to do, you know the decision that you want to make, but you actually just need some support, um, some, you know, whether that's comfort, fellowship, um, the sense of like, yeah, we're committed and we're staying here, then ask for those things instead, you know, of like, hey, like, this is what I want to do. And like, I've thought about this and this, and and I feel really good about the decision. And I still think it's going to be hard when I make the decision. Would you be there with me? Or will you be there to celebrate with me when I come home? Or, um, you know, here's what I've, I've decided, and this is what I'm going to do. And um, I think so-and-so is not going to like it. And I think I need some advice on how to navigate that. But I, I know what decision I want to make, right? There's still this this um, discernment and it's not a willfulness that kind of gets shoved in someone's face. It's like a, no, like I'm solid and I know what, what I want to do. And I also realize the limitations of me doing this alone. And so I want some support. I want to do this in a thoughtful, careful, um, you know, kind way. Yeah. Yeah, I really like the idea of looking at it as support. It's one of those, I feel like it wouldn't be as overwhelming for the person on the receiving end. <laughs> um, just because sometimes it's when I'm going through all the options and the pros and the cons, it's one of those things that, I mean, it can, it can just be like an hour of me talking and it's exhausting to myself. Um, and so I think being able to say like, hey, I'm making this decision and I would love to have your support once I make this decision. Mm-hmm. Um, that's such a mind-blowing way of going into a conversation um, about something that I know that I've pretty much made the decision on. Um, so yeah, that's really helpful. Yeah. And even when you think about those conversations, you know, whether you you find yourself, oh, I'm in the middle of a conversation where I'm asking the questions or talking through the scenarios, and it's okay in that moment, even if you're 30 minutes in, just to take a moment to stop and just to breathe of like, oh man, mm. like I'm I'm getting into this conversation about school again, or I'm getting into this conversation about this friend again. And it's okay if it's, you know, you didn't catch yourself one minute and you caught yourself 30 minutes in. That's totally fine because you're you're increasing your awareness around this before it totally takes you away, right? This, you got caught up on the, the train of thought and you just now you're in the next city over. And so in those moments, just taking, taking a 
few seconds just to breathe, you know? Sometimes even having like your hand on your chest and sometimes people will put their their hand on their belly to allow their breath to get all the way down their diaphragm. But just like take a moment to breathe, you know? Even if you just say like, I'm going to the bathroom real quick, right? Like just taking a moment to breathe because it's amazing how much um, – how much the concern and worry and all the swirling thoughts and analytical thoughts just cloud your ability to actually have the discernment around like, this is going to be okay, or this is what I want to do. And it's going to be hard, but I believe in it. Or, you know, this is a decision that we, that I want to make. And, and I'm not sure how exactly to do that, but I know I want to make this decision. If we can calm down some of the Um, You know, it's almost like the snow globe of like when you shake it up, all the thoughts and concerns and worries are just swirling around. It's really hard to see whatever little figurines in the middle of the snow globe. And so taking a moment to breathe and giving yourself some support, it's allowing the snow and the flurries just to settle for a moment so you can see more clearly, so you can know what it is um, that you want to say or you want to do or, or what you think or feel about something. Yeah, being a visual person, that image of the snow globe and settling, that's a great one. Um, Yeah, it's interesting to me, though, because, um, like, for me, what really will trigger me, though, is if I get that response. I mentioned it earlier, like, oh, you're just being crazy. Like, or the most common one I hear is, don't be so pessimistic. Yeah. And, And I think it's like these these comments like that, that will send me further, which I guess in that moment, that's where I step away and breathe Mm -hmm. and realize that continuing that conversation is not the best for either party. Um, And I really do need to just stop and and breathe and focus. But I think it's, again, it's helpful even just to mention that because I think, you know, for any type, right? It could be a fellow six that says, says that to you, but also likely another type. You know, the, we think we are helping people by pardoning them from this this uh, fate of having to worry as if if we say don't worry or don't be concerned or don't be pessimistic as if that immediately alleviates that orientation for them. Um, and it just doesn't work that way, right? We, we, we just can't, it doesn't work that way. And so in that, even just, you know, having the sense of um, telling someone not to worry or not to be pessimistic, it in your system, when something is going on, it is the same sensation of a lion is chasing after me. This is concerning. We need to do something about that, right? The same thing happening in your nervous system for that person running from the lion is happening for you when you're thinking about what's about to happen. And so just tell the person running from the lion, don't worry about it or stop being pessimistic, right? That is crazy. Like we don't say that to people when they're running from a lion, but that's what's happening for us in our nervous system because we're in this, you know, this fight Um, flight response, right? Of like, this is not okay, or this is about to happen, or danger, danger, whatever. Um, And we are, it's happening in our system. There's something alerting us to a pitfall, a concern, a worry. And so comments like that, not only does it not help us, because it doesn't make us, uh, you know, stop worrying, um, but also it's crazy. That's a crazy comment, not you, right? Because, um, you know, you never say that to someone that was running for the lion, right? Um, and so in those moments, you're exactly right, though. Let that be uh, almost this red flag of this person's dismissive, and that's going to cause me to be triggered, right? This person is is 
uh, irrationally optimistic and that's going to cause me to feel dismissed. And so that's going to be a trigger for me. And so instead of trying to get them to understand or trying to, you know, whatever in that response, um, especially if, if we're at a space where we're really triggered, right, we might say things that are unkind or more, you know, uh, sixes tend to have this like witty sarcasm that sometimes can be a little, a little too true and a little too cutting. But oftentimes it's this triggered, like, I'm going to get you to understand if you don't see that the sky is falling, right? And, and that's not who you wanted to be in that moment. That's not how you wanted to show up there, but your type got triggered and you reacted. And so in those moments, offering yourself the kindness of a breath, of taking a moment to breathe, Again, not because we're trying to fix our fear or fix our concerns, but we're trying to regulate our nervous system so that it is not um, so dire. We can see it more clearly. We can metabolize that emotion and then go to the analytical thought that you know is such a gift for the the type sixes in that head triad. But we have to metabolize that emotion first because that's still happening. We can't just shove it down or push it aside. It doesn't work that way. We're human beings and we have emotions. We have to go through them rather than try to avoid them. Yeah. And the other thing too with that is like, if there's if somebody you're getting those reactions from folks already dealing with the emotional, you know, like worst case scenario. And now that person making that comment on top of it, I will say over the years, I've learned the folks that have reacted that way. And th- this might be where my trust comes in. I'm like, Oh, well, I don't trust you to go through these conversations with me. And so I don't go to those people. Like I, I've learned to recognize like who it is, who who are my like two, three safe people that mm-hmm. I can have those um, conversations with. Um, so yeah, just an interesting realization. Yeah. Of the trust part that we were talking about recently. Yeah, like, for oh, sure. You're done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's helpful even just to note in those moments when it happens. And sometimes that is good information of you're not the best person for me to talk through this with because you stop it before I can even explain my full thought, right? That that's good awareness. But sometimes we catch people when they're just having a bad day or they needed Uh, They needed more information before there was so much pressure to see what you were communicating without the pressure that was a part of it too. Um, And and so sometimes they need a second chance, right? They need another chance, but not always. And, And you can still have these, you know, beneficial working relationships and things like that. They're just not your go-to person and that's okay. Um, Mm -hmm. But giving some pause to that too, so that, uh, our type is not writing someone off and putting them in the distrust category when they need just a little bit more explanation without there being pressure of the sky is falling, right? But of, hey, I've noticed X, Y, Z is happening and I wonder what we're doing about that, you know? Or here's some thoughts I have about how we would resolve that rather than the pressure of the sky is falling and I need you to see that with me. Oh yeah, for sure. That's a good reminder for me. Yeah. So um, I'm curious as we, you know, 30 minutes is never enough, but as we kind of come out of this, this coaching space, um, what feels like the, the, maybe the most tangible piece that you can take into the next, um, this next conversation, what feels like the, the piece that you'll kind of take away from our conversation into whatever is next, whether that's this week or the next conversation that you have? I think for sure 
the breathing and to give space to those emotions. Um, like I was mentioning earlier, I, I meditate all the time, but I never think to do it in those moments. And so I'm excited to give myself that grace and that opportunity to do that. Yeah. And I love that you said grace too. I mean, it it is truly a kindness to just take a moment to breathe, right? And so mm-hmm. letting, offering ourselves that kindness, because when we have these times, we can be judgmental of like, oh, why are you getting so concerned or whipped up? Or why are you still talking about this, right? We have our this critic or this community of critics that comes online and judges us. And there's just no reason for that. We instead need to offer ourselves some kindness. And kindness can show up in the simple form of just taking a moment to breathe. Of like, yeah, this is a lot. And we care about this. And this matters. And there's emotion coming up for me. So I'm going to be kind rather than critical of myself as that emotion shows up. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, I hope this is not the last time that, that we get to be in a coaching space, but I've, I've just really enjoyed having you in different workshops over, um, over the past year and and getting to be in, in these coaching spaces with you. So thank you. Thank you for your curiosity and, and coming in and sharing that space with me. It's a real gift. Thank you. The past year of doing these um, workshops with you and coaching has been life-changing for me. Like I've just just opened my eyes so much and uh, I feel like I'm a better person because of it. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Hey, Enneagram friend, do you need some support? Do you have questions about your type, about your context, about your relationship? I'd love to sit in a coaching space with you. If you are interested in coaching, but you have some questions, you can schedule a free discovery call to explore how coaching might help you in this next season. Or if you're ready to dive in, you can schedule a 30 minute or 60 minute session right from my website. It's just as easy as that. Okay, friends, I'll see you next time.